When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 12 of The Paradise Mystery This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Kristen Hughes The Paradise Mystery by J.S. Fletcher Chapter 12 Murder of the Mason's Laborer It was towards noon of the very next day that Bryce made a forward step in the matter of solving the problem of Richard Jenkins and his tomb in Paradise. Ever since his return from Barthorpe, he had been making attempts to get at the true meaning of this mystery. He had paid so many visits to the cathedral library that Ambrose Campany had asked him jestingly if he was going in for archaeology. Bryce had replied that having nothing to do just then, he saw no reason why he shouldn't improve his knowledge of the antiques of Wrychester. But he was scrupulously careful not to let the librarian know the real object— of his prying and peeping into the old books and documents. Campany, as Bryce was very well aware, was a walking encyclopedia of information about Wrychester Cathedral. He was, in fact, at that time, engaged in completing a history of it. And it was through that history that Bryce accidentally got his precious information. For on the day following the interview with Mary Bewery and Ransford, Bryce, being in the library, was treated by Campany to an inspection of certain drawings which the librarian had made for illustrating his work drawings, most of them of old brasses, coats of arms, and the like. And at the foot of one of these, a drawing of a shield on which was sculptured three crows. Bryce saw the name Richard Jenkins, Armiger. It was all he could do to repress a start and to check his tongue. But Campany, knowing nothing, quickly gave him the information he wanted. "'All these drawings,' he said, "'are of old things in and about the cathedral. Some of them, like that, for instance, that Jenkins shield, are of ornamentations on tombs which are so old that the inscriptions have completely disappeared. Tombs in the cloisters and in paradise. Some of those tombs can only be identified by these sculptures and ornaments.' How do you know, for instance, that any particular tomb or monument is—we'll say, Jenkins's? asked Bryce, feeling that he was on safe ground. Must be a matter of doubt if there's no inscription left, isn't it? No, replied Campany. No doubt at all. In that particular case, there's no doubt that a certain tomb out there on the corner of Paradise, near the east wall of the south porch, is that of one Richard Jenkins, because it bears his coat of arms— 
which, as you see, bore these birds, intended either as crows or ravens. The inscription's clean gone from that tomb, which is why it isn't particularized in that chart of burials in Paradise. The man who prepares that chart didn't know how to trace things as we do nowadays. Richard Jenkins was, as you may guess, a Welshman, who settled here in Rochester in the seventeenth century. He left some money to St. Hedwige's Church, outside the walls, but he was buried here. There are more instances. Look at this now, this coat of arms. That's the only means there is of identifying another tomb in Paradise. That of Jervis Tyrwhitt. You see his armorial bearings in this drawing? Now those— Bryce let the librarian go on talking and explaining, and heard all he had to say as a man hears things in a dream. What was really active in his own mind was joy at this unexpected stroke of luck. He himself might have searched for many a year and never found the last resting-place of Richard Jenkins. And when, soon after the great clock of the cathedral had struck the hour of noon, he left Campany and quitted the library, he walked over to Paradise and plunged in amongst its yews and cypresses, intent on seeing the Jenkins' tomb for himself. No one could suspect anything from merely seeing him there, and all he wanted was one glance at the ancient monument. But Bryce was not to give even one look at Richard Jenkins's tomb that day, nor the next, nor for many days. Death met him in another form before he had taken many steps in the quiet enclosure, where so much of Rochester mortality lay sleeping. From over the topmost branches of the old yew-trees a great shaft of noontide sun fell full on a patch of the grey walls of the high-roofed nave. At the foot of it, his back comfortably planted against the angle of a projecting buttress, sat a man, evidently fast asleep in the warmth of those powerful rays. His head leaned down and forward over his chest. His hands were folded across his waist. His whole attitude was that of a man who, having eaten and drunken in the open air, has dropped off to sleep. That he had so dropped off while in the very act of smoking was evident from the presence of a short, well-blackened clay pipe, which had fallen from his lips and lay in the grass beside him. Near the pipe, spread on a coloured handkerchief, were the remains of his dinner. Bryce's quick eye noticed fragments of bread, cheese, onions. And close by stood one of those tin bottles in which labouring men carry their drink. Its cork, tied to the neck by a piece of string, dangled against the side. A few yards away, a mass of fallen rubbish and a shovel and wheelbarrow showed it what the sleeper had been working when his dinner hour and time for rest had arrived. Something unusual, something curiously noticeable, yet he could not exactly tell what, made Bryce go closer to the sleeping man. There was a strange stillness about him, a rigidity which seemed to suggest something more than sleep. And suddenly, with a stifled exclamation, he bent forward and lifted one of the folded hands. It dropped like a leaden weight when Bryce released it, and he pushed back the man's face and looked searchingly into it. And in that instant he knew that for the second time within a fortnight he had found a dead man in Rochester Paradise. There was no doubt whatever that the man was dead. His hands and body were warm enough, but there was not a flicker of breath. He was as dead as any of the folk who lay six feet beneath the old gravestones around him. 
and Bryce's practised touch and eye knew that he was only just dead, and that he had died in his sleep. Everything there pointed unmistakably to what had happened. The man had eaten his frugal dinner, washed it down from his tin bottle, lighted his pipe, leaned back in the warm sunlight, dropped asleep, and died as quietly as a child taken from its play to its slumbers. After one more careful look, Bryce turned and made through the trees to the path which crossed the old graveyard, and there, going leisurely home to lunch, was Dick Bury, who glanced at the young doctor inquisitively. "'Hullo!' he exclaimed, with the freedom of youth towards something not much older. "'You there! Anything on?' Then he looked more clearly, seeing Bryce to be pale and excited. Bryce laid a hand on the lad's arm. "'Look here,' he said. "'There's something wrong again, in here. Run down to the police station. Get hold of Mitchington, quietly, you understand. Bring him here at once. If he's not there, bring somebody else, any of the police. But say nothing to any of them.' Dick gave him another swift look, turned, and ran. And Bryce went back to the dead man, and picked up the tin bottle, and making a cup of his left hand, poured out a trickle of the contents cold tea, and as far as he could judge, nothing else. He put the tip of his little finger into the weak-looking stuff and tasted. It tasted of nothing but a superabundance of sugar. He stood there, watching the dead man, until the sound of footsteps behind him gave warning of the return of Dick Bury, who, in another minute, hurried through the bushes, followed by Mitchington. The boy stared in silence at the still figure, but the inspector— after a hasty glance, turned a horrified face on Bryce. "'Good Lord!' he gasped. "'It's Collishaw!' Bryce for the moment failed to comprehend this, and Mitchington shook his head. "'Collishaw!' he repeated. "'Collishaw, you know, the man I told—' "'Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day "'playing one of my favorite social spin slot games "'on Chumbacasino.com. "'I looked over at the person sitting next to me, "'and you know what they were doing?' They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.